Have you ever bought or sold real estate? Have you ever tried to get a mortgage on your house? Have you ever thought, wow, this process is absolutely insane? Well, Sanjay Raghavan from Roofstock has a better way and they're already doing it. We talk about a future where we tokenize things and use NFTs to transact from one person to another. Well, now you can do that with your house. That's dope. Roofstock is described as the number one real estate mobile investing platform in the world. What does that mean? For single family properties, yeah. So um, if you think of the days um, prior to 2015, and let's say you wanted to buy an investment property and you were living in the West Coast and you want to buy a property in Atlanta or Indianapolis, there was really no easy way for you to do that because you don't you know, know the local market. You don't have your boots on the ground to go look at the property uh, and even after you buy the property, you don't know how to get it rehab, you know, how to find a tenant, any of those things, right? So version one of Roofstock was simply to make remote real estate purchases easier. I mean, this is a $4 trillion asset class in the U.S., and there's 20 million rental properties. Um, but historically, people have been buying rental properties within 50 miles of where right. they live, right? Because that's... That's how you go to the property. Real estate's always been a hyper-local market. Exactly. I mean, the entire world could be melting down and one market's doing exceptionally well. That's exactly right. And so Roofstock's initial goal was to radically simplify buying remote real estate. So I could be living in California and purchase a property in Atlanta by just underwriting that on my computer. And Roofstock would put me in touch with local realtors, local property managers, rehab crew, and so on. And so, um, you know, we're probably the only company... Uh, that does this both for retail investors at a small level that's buying one or two properties, but also for large institutional investors, you know, that might be willing to deploy a couple of hundred million to a couple of billion dollars into a real estate strategy, but they don't have the, uh, you know, their own infrastructure to go buy, acquire, renovate and manage these homes and we would do it for them. So by virtue of kind of being this one platform that caters to uh, the guy that's buying one property to the guy that's buying thousands of properties, you know, we are the largest kind of SFR rental property platform in the country right now. Obviously, it was created an interesting time because it was during this sort of maturity of cryptocurrency and this entire market and blockchain technology. And actually, how you describe it sort of mimics the original ethos yeah. of crypto to, to some degree. You don't have to find a trusted party in that market who's going to find you the right property and not That's rip you right. off. But now... I mean, your job literally is pivoting into a blockchain. Into blockchain case. and crypto. And, uh, you know, we wanted to look at Web3 and see how we can use Web3 to solve uh, a problem that's existed in the real estate industry for a long time, right? So even though Roofstock was able to help you identify remote properties, underwrite them from your computer, be able to push a button to make an offer, the, when it, when it came to closing the asset, you still had to you know, have a buyer's agent, a seller's agent, title company, escrow, notary public. Um, and, and this process takes three or four weeks, you know, to close a typical real estate transaction and often, you know, costs a lot of money as well because there's so many intermediaries involved. Well, Web3 offers a really neat alternative to shorten the time frame and the cost associated with these transactions. So uh, we spent the last year trying to come up with a structure which we have finally created and we're launching at this conference. Uh, where you can go to an NFT marketplace like OpenSea, connect your wallet, buy an NFT, and literally 15 seconds later when that block's written to the blockchain, you are now a property owner. Uh, so that's, 
you know, radically, radically innovative, hasn't been done in the SFR market so far. So we're the first to do So that disrupts one of the largest industries on the planet. And there are obviously laws and regulations about the way that property right. transfers right. hands. So when you get the NFT, you literally automatically own the property, or do you still have to then, outside of the Web3 space, do some sort of No, no, so there's, mortgage? there's no, uh, literally, you know, once you buy the NFT in the NFT marketplace, you are the new property owner. And the way we've done it is, uh, there's a, you know, a way to do this compliantly, which is what we've been spending the last year trying to figure out and put together. Uh, we drop the title to the property into a single-purpose Wyoming LLC, and so the property will never actually get retitled from there. It always stays there. We tokenize the membership interest of the Wyoming LLC. That's what changes hands. Uh, it's a single membership. Uh, so once that membership changes hands, you're the owner of the LLC, which is the owner of that property. So, so interesting. We don't have to re-record title. Uh, we don't have to go back to the county and do a recordation of the deed or any of those things. It's literally, this is what makes it possible to just push a button and, and you're now a property owner. I live in Florida and we've seen a few select properties that have been tied to an NFT and they've done auctions for the properties and those houses have generally sold way over their actual value sure. because yeah. of the hype around the fact that it was done with an NFT. But that sounded like a more arduous process the way that they did it. This is a really novel approach. That's right. So most of the other uh, single family tokenization that we've seen so far um, there's still, like, after the purchase of the NFT, as you pointed out, there's still a process to complete. Out. Yeah. Uh, in our case, uh, we wanted to make this as close to Web3 as possible. Uh, so, you know, there's, of course, the initial work of putting the property into the LLC and, and tokenizing that LLC interest. But once that's done, you've kind of crossed over, you know, you've now taken the bridge from Web2 to Web3, and then the rest of the transaction's all Web3, so there's no document signing afterwards or any other uh, formality for closing. It's literally the purchase of the NFT is the uh, legally binding mechanism to now become the uh, title holder of this property. So the inevitable hard question that follows because anybody who's been in NFTs and Web3, I mean, what percentage of board apes have been uh, hacked or stolen? That's what right. What happens when someone steals your house? So again, uh, <laughs> the fortunately here, there's a real world asset which is represented with a digital asset, right? In the case of board apes, the value of the NFT resides it's in the NFT itself, right? right? Whereas in our case, the value of that NFT is derived from a real world asset. And um, because it's there's a real world asset and there are um, certain legal requirements, for example, you can buy a board ape as an anon on OpenSea, right? You could be, you know, you could be using that for money laundering, for terrorist activities, so on and so forth. Uh, obviously, we need to be a little bit more compliant given that this is a real-world asset. So the way this works is um, you come to our site and you can mint a, a soul-bound token. Once you mint the soul-bound token, you can get KYC and we use Jumio, which is a regarded uh, KYC right, provider. Standard, right, standard NY, provider. KYC Once you're KYC, we update your soul-bound token. We put a flag there. So none of your private information is on the soul-bound token, but the token has a flag. That says you're now KYC. Yeah, you're nay. Exactly. <laughs> so when you go to OpenSea and you're buying this property or this NFT, the smart contract checks to see if you have the soulbound token and your KYC. And only then the transfer uh, is allowed to go through. So it's not possible to like basically scam somebody out of their NFT by 
just you know asking them to come to a site that looks like ours and through a phishing attack or something grab your assets because unless you're KYC nobody can transfer this out of the uh, existing wallet so it can't be transferred either it can it can be transferred but only to another KYC person and so we know who that person is so if there was um, some kind of fraud we can figure out uh, you know who perpetrated the fraud and then there's legal remedies of course it's, it's interesting it's sort of borrowing from the concept of ZK rollups and snarks where basically you take all the information but you don't have to actually that's right give someone all the information you just have to prove that that's, that's exactly right. has been vetted that's exactly right so when Brilliant. Vitalik came up with the idea of soulbound token, we saw a lot of possibilities for how Web3 applications can use the soulbound token to let uh, people interact with their uh, applications. And so this is one of those where uh, everything somebody does with Roofstock on-chain, we can provide a curated experience based on, you know, this KYC flag is one example, but anybody who mints this token will give them a, access to a free real estate investing course so they can learn about real estate investing once they've purchased tokens, you know, we can store that they're now a token owner, an OG, and if they're doing, if we're doing a drop later on, we can, you know, see statuses on the soulbound token and, and do drops based on that. So there's a lot of applications eventually that we can do with this one soulbound token. The starting point is giving people access to a real estate course and then doing the KYC. A lot of people have tied NFTs, obviously, to real world assets for proof of ownership. A house, is unique, it's not gonna move. Right. Can this same model be used for a watch? Absolutely. Um, so we are basically uh, coming up with this construct and we did a lot of research on where should the LLC be incorporated, for example. Is it Delaware? I was gonna Wyoming, ask about Wyoming. Right? So Wyoming is very, Wyoming obviously, is extremely crypto very crypto friendly. friendly, so we picked Wyoming. But any real world asset can be essentially wrapped in an LLC structure like this and then uh, tokenized and we're going to make our smart contracts are going to be on GitHub, it's going to be open source, all our documentation will be open source. So if somebody wants to take our model and replicate that for doing single family homes, that's fine. You want to do it for luxury watches, cars, yachts, you know, go for it, right? Uh, the model is scalable and we want the Web3 community to be able to use the, you know, research we've done and be able to benefit from it. Can this concept effectively remove third parties from most or all of our transactions in the future? I, the, the, the promise of Web3 and blockchain is disintermediation, um, to do things in a trustless way. Uh, smart contracts are phenomenal to solve that one purpose. And so, uh, yeah, any, any application where you can disintermediate or reduce the number of intermediaries, I think, should be looking at Web3 uh, actively to see how they can uh, ultimately pass on those savings to the consumers, right? Because that, that's what it's all about. But all of those third parties that are making money on those transactions are not going to give up their power easily. They will, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a process. Uh, but, you know, uh, somebody was saying that, you know, the strain has left the station. There's no, yeah. you know, there's no putting this, you know, or if you take the example of a genie, there's no putting this genie, genie back, back in the, the bottle, bottle, right? Sure. It's, uh, you know, um, the example I like to use is uh, when Uber and... Lyft were first disrupting the taxi industry. There was a lot of fighting. Oh, uh, every, people hated you know, them. Right? Every, there, there's a lot of kind of lawsuits and everybody was trying to shut them out. But once the uh, consumer saw that it was convenient to just use their phone to order a ride, um, eventually that convenience won, won out, right? So um, we're looking at this the same way. Like, we, you know, I've gone through real estate purchase processes. You have 
it takes a lot of time and you're constantly signing documents, sending them over email, and uh, it shouldn't have to take so much time in 2022 to buy a house. Uh, and so once people see the simplicity and the cost savings, uh, I think that convenience will win out all the other kind of structural impediments to the process. And you're also effectively eliminating the lending process. In this case, it seems at least initially, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you'd have to have the cash present to, to yeah, close so because you're buying the NFT. That's right. So initially, uh, that's how it's going to be. We are working on a, a true real-world DeFi lending protocol. We've been in discussions with all the big uh, DeFi providers, uh, but it's going to be uh, possible to essentially take this NFT, which represents value and to be able to lock this in a DeFi wall and be right, able, you to, be able to get a loan right? against the NFT That's right. afterwards. Afterwards. Uh, and it should be easy. It should not require me to say, all right, give me your last three years of tax returns and W-2 and bank statements and this and that, right? Because I'm giving you an object of value as collateral. You should be able to give me a loan against it. Uh, no different than if I had a bar of gold and I took it to a bank and said, sure. this bar of gold is worth you know, $10,000 and I want to borrow 5000 against it. And this isn't a volatile cryptocurrency, it's, it's a piece of real estate. That's right. So it's low so volatility. That, that, uh, there should be low volatility. Exactly. It, should, it shouldn't, the arguments that people use against using cryptocurrency as collateral should not be conflated. Yeah, and you know, over-collateralized cryptocurrency borrowing on, in the DeFi side, maybe a 30-40% loan-to-value ratio. Uh, here, you could easily go up to 65 or 70 loan to value just because you're holding it's, it's, it's a, the whole it's house. It's, it's fully volatile. Exactly. It's non volatile. Um, even in the 2008 credit crisis, when property prices went down, uh, you know, in some markets we saw maybe a 20, 25% decline. Um, so the asset class has proven itself to be pretty uh, sturdy through the, both the 2008 crisis and the 2020 uh, COVID crisis. Uh, if anything, during the COVID crisis, home property, you know, pr property prices went up. <laughs> I, don't think, I, I don't think there's a, anything that's uh, more valuable exactly. to lenders than the collateral, as collateral than a physical uh, piece of real estate. Physical piece of real estate. And these are rental properties. So um, the owner is also able to get cash flow, which over a period, like every year, rents go up a little bit. So you can kind of think of it as almost an inflation hedged bond product, right? Yeah. A fixed income product for the cash flow. And then the value of the property goes up over time as well. Hopefully. You know, it might go up. <laughs> well, it might go down a little Always this over year, time. Yeah. but over a 10 year period, it's, it's going to uh, fare better. And you can kind of look at that appreciation almost like growth in a stock market, right? So this is a unique product that kind of has characteristics of a bond as well as a stock. So once you've transferred the NFT to someone or they've transferred to you, you now own the house. You still have to go into the real world to figure out how to find a renter. And yeah, to... so we, um, and that's where sort of having seven years of real estate experience is helpful because uh, we've uh, sold real estate in over 70 markets as Roofstock. So in all these markets, we have a list of um, diligence property managers and we can give you a list. So if you're buying a property in Colombia, I can say, here's four property managers in your neighborhood that, you know, are already diligenced and approved and, you know, they're good property managers. Again, you don't have to pick one of them. Right, but, but at least you're doing you some in the options. vetting process. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so did you come to Roofstock with this idea and say, oh my gosh, I love what Roofstock is doing. This needs to be Web3 native? Or? Well, I, I started three years back. Um, and the first thing I did was build a real estate investment trust, a REIT product at Roofstock. Um, so, you know, I've always been sort of uh, doing innovative things at the company. So 
last year when the board approached our CEO and said, you guys need to get smarter about Web3. Um, one of my colleagues who was uh, on the legal side uh, and I were picked to you know, collaborate and make this a reality. So that's when you went down the rabbit hole. The, yeah, so it, it happened just over a year back. Um, and you know we took a lot of wrong turns because it's not an easy problem to solve, right? Otherwise, somebody else would have done it already. Um, we spent a lot of time and money trying to figure out the right solution that's compliant because ultimately when you buy this NFT, we have to definitively say that you are the owner of, of this underlying property. So we've got that all figured out now from a legal perspective and tax perspective. But were you really just getting involved in Web3 a year ago? Well, I mean, or were you always crypto? I, I, I've been in crypto for since 2017, so I knew what it, you know, yeah. what it was capable of doing, but we hadn't solved the a real-world problem uh, of this magnitude, right? So, Because I saw that you're also an advisor for Pudgy Penguins. I am, correct? yes. Explain to me why I should care about public Pudgy Penguins. So, uh, you know, I was probably a couple of years back as much a naysayer about NFTs as anybody else. Um, but I, I've changed my mind and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, so when Punks first came out, right, that, that's the OG NFT, yeah. its only value was as a PFP. Right. And Clap. they've never done, they've never done an event or any other kind of networking thing or a community thing. It's, you know, still the OG PFP, right? But the NFT evolution since then, you know, has changed quite a bit. Uh, these, so with apes, obviously you have, um, you know, ApeFest is a big thing that uh, as a community, people like to Airdrops, be a part of. community, Airdrops and you own the intellectual property. And, and you own the, the IP, uh, which, and of course, you know, when they did like other side and other deeds and all that, there's, uh, they're expanding what that ecosystem looks like and how as a, as an ape holder, you have access to a larger, ever growing community. Uh, but the main thing there, of course, is you own the IP to your NFT and there are ways to monetize that IP. Now, you know, if you're, you know, a regular, uh, ape owner, uh, and you don't have the media connections or, connections in the toy industry or whatever, it's, it's hard to do the licensing and all that yourself. But a lot of platforms are trying to figure out how do we get uh, holders of these NFTs to opt in and then be part of some kind of monetization strategy. Uh, Pudgy is very uh, interesting because uh, the management team at Pudgy did a buyout of it uh, back in April. I don't right. know if you know the story. Yeah. Because the original owners had... It was quite a, bit of, uh, quite a bit of drama. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but the interesting thing was the community was very, very strong, even during those calamitous times. And so the, uh, the new management saw that if during really bad times you have such a strong community with, with a, an NFT project which is very lovable and has almost near endless possibilities in terms of licensing and all that, um, like what could a really... Uh, passionate management team do if they bought that. And that's what they've been doing. They, um, they obviously, they came out with their Soulbound. Um, they announced their toy uh, partnership with PMI Toys. So that's going to hit the markets later this year. So physical pudgy penguin yeah. stuffed toys, animals. Stuffed animals will be available at big box retailers. And the owners of those uh, penguins will be able to monetize their, their uh, you know, penguins. So not only is it a cute PFP and you can, you know, use it as your avatar and all that, uh, but it's actually giving you now licensing opportunities. Um, and, and you know, the possibilities are endless. You can do storybooks, you can do feature films. Uh, you know, like I can imagine at Disney, you know, if this is a really popular theme in a few years. I've seen Happy Feet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. 
Dancing so penguins. There, the possibilities are again endless with PUBG. So that's that's why, to me, that's an interesting project, uh, and it's worth being a part of. Um, and, and they've done a spectacular job of putting together a really strong advisory team that comes from both Web two and Web three. Um, so I'm I'm yeah, excited. Yeah, my about argument that. is always I I love the board ape concept. I love punks. My argument has always been that after those. 99% of them, budget penguins may be excluded, have just been cheap knockoffs that will never have any utility or value where people believe that That's it was going to be the... It's, uh, you know, most of the projects, you know, probably will not, you know, have, get to blue chip status. Uh, but again, I think with a lot, uh, you know, with PUBG like anything else, it's all about the team behind the, the product. Uh, and I think this team is, uh, you know, I know them very well. I, uh, I'm good friends with their CTO. And they just live and breathe every day. They're doing something to make the product and community better. So, so it's really about community. It's really about the people and community at the end of the day. Yeah. What other things in crypto do you think that strong communities can drive? If you look at when in, when the internet started and all we were doing was, you know, re websites with just read information, nobody would have thought that, you know, 10 years later, there would be an Amazon where, you know, that's how you're buying not just books, but everything, everything else. And another five years after that, um, you know, social networking and all that came along. And, and then yet, you know, you were able to take concepts like maps, location and different features, put that all together and create the Ubers and Lyfts and DoorDash. And, you know, like when you look at how our life has been changing over the last 20 years, uh, it's radically changed today where, uh, you can stay, you know, at your house and you can order food and it gets dropped off at your doorstep. I think the financial rails in the country right now require that kind of, you know, radical shift and blockchain and Web3 can make that happen. I think in the next five to 10 years, um, it'll, you know, life is going to be very different. Everybody is going to have a wallet and everybody is going to have, you know, perhaps Bitcoin is the digital gold. Ethereum is the way to transact. Um, you know, with uh, Web3 projects, and then USDC or some other stable coin is the way to buy and sell things. I think we are going in that direction. And, you know, when we, you know, if we have this conversation 10 years from now, we're going to be looking at it and saying, it's odd we were giving our credit card information on websites and doing transactions with fast, right? So I really think that's where we are headed. And with kind of the Web3, which is read, write, own, um, community becomes a central part of it because, uh, it's shared ownership between the creator and the consumer of the information or data or whatever service. And so if there is a way for both the creator to monetize and the consumer to monetize uh, somehow and take away the big companies from the middle, right? That's I think that's a very uh, good thing to aspire to. And I think that's where the Web3 community is going. Are there any regulatory concerns or risks to what you're building that you've Accomplished something, created something, and it effectively gets regulated away retrospectively. Yeah, I mean, you know, regulation is something that keeps changing all the time. Um, and, you know, one of the things uh, we should all be doing is to uh, make sure we're, you know, we're compliant. Um, and, you know, in our case, for example, we didn't start writing a single line of the smart contract code until we knew that the legal and tax framework had been figured out and we had confidence it works today. Uh, and of course, that can change in the next couple of years. And if it does, then we'll have to continue to evolve and adapt based on that. Um, but my only uh, takeaway is, you know, you have to keep innovating and you have to 
want to uh, get to a better future uh, and you can't, you know, always, you know, you have to find, obviously you have to be compliant, you have to stay within the regulatory framework, but you have to find ways to innovate within the within the existing framework and still make expand, it expand, expand the bubble, the pu pu push the limits. 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, how else can Roofstock use this technology oh, to improve our experiences? So already the next thing is um, trying to figure out real real world assets DeFi lending. Um, if you think about the, the mortgage process today, um, it's complicated. Um, the, the property that has value is the collateral, but you are the, you as the individual are getting underwritten every time you're buying a property. Correct. Um, and that, that process, you know, it was created for owner occupant properties because, uh, you were going to be living in the home and they needed to make sure you have the money to pay the mortgage. Sure. But the same model should not apply to a rental property because it's a completely if you different, bought it, you know, you're... you bought it, you own it, um, and you want to take some money out because, I don't know, you want to do a $20,000 rehab. You shouldn't have to go through a three-week underwriting process to get a loan on that. Just put that up as collateral, take the money, do what you need to do, and when you need to pay it off, pay it off and get your collateral back. Um, so we really want to get to that world uh, because for rental properties, it's asset-based lending, and it can be, um, it's no different than Bitcoin or ETH or gold or any other commodity that has value. You should be able to pledge that and be able to borrow sure. against it. You have to be able to come up with the cash first. And yeah. then in that model, you can't get the mortgage to buy the NFT. You need to buy the NFT That's and then true. take a That's loan true. against it, which actually is a safer, as you said, and it's probably a better way to do it. Yeah, it's, I mean, we may be able to come up with a way where uh, people can, at the time they purchase, decide to put on leverage. And that may be possible as well. But, um, you know, we're starting out with the more, the easier problem to solve. And then over time, we'll, you know, take on. Well, well hopefully we won't have 20 or 30% interest rates uh, on those loans that we're taking against our houses by that point. On, on the DeFi platform, we shouldn't because, again, you don't have a loan originator. You don't have a loan servicer. And you don't have to deal with all the, you know, again, 20 intermediaries in a securitization like, a rating agency, a trustee, a custodian, and you know, so you remove all of that. It's all in on the blockchain through a smart contract, and uh, you know, you can come and borrow anytime you want, repay anytime you want, and unless there's an event of default and you need to figure out how to liquidate the collateral, nobody needs to get involved at all. So that's the beauty. If you remove these 15 intermediaries, you should be able to again, pass on those savings to the consumer. Well, after talking to you, I want to uh, buy a pudgy penguin and then go buy a house and That's right. let my penguin live in the house. And There you go. <laughs> so thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.